Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. We are at episode seven, and I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous at all <laughs> as all get out to record this episode, but it is a story that needs to be shared. It is part of my story that needs to be shared, and so we are going to dive on in. So last episode, I talked all about my journey to becoming a board-certified behavior analyst. If you listen to that episode, you know that I hinted at what this episode is going to be all about in that episode itself. So here we are. And in this episode, I am sharing with you all about how asking for support from other people, you name it, my paraprofessionals, my family, my administration, how ultimately asking for support led to my resignation. I'm sharing lessons that I learned along the way. I'm sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly as it applies to me and my teaching career. And I'm sharing how I'm stronger today for having lived through this experience. And in full confidence, this is a story I haven't yet shared to anyone outside of my family and close friends. And you might be thinking, why? Why now? Why share this? Why share this today? And ultimately, it's because it needs to be heard. Um, as I've learned to love all of who I am, that doesn't just get to include the great things that have happened in my life. That also means owning the challenging parts and recognizing that those two have meaning attached to them and that those events as well, those challenging events that just make me, made me want to scream some days, um, they have served me to get me to where I am today. It's not just the good experiences that shape us. It's our behavior, our beliefs, it's all of it. It's the challenging ones in addition to the positive ones that shape us into who we are. And once I learned to own my part of this specific challenge, the weight lifted, the excuses lifted, and I could finally see with clarity who I am, not only as an educator, but also as a person. And that, my friends, is truly an amazing feeling that I want for everyone. So I'm sharing my story for whoever needs to hear it and forever, for whoever, excuse me, needs to be reminded that you get to define who you are from within, not by the roles that you serve, not by what your administrator says, not by what your parents think about you. You get to create the life you want, the classroom that you want, the culture that you want, and it all starts from within. All right, so the scene's been set. It's time to jump on in. Let's do it. All right, so I am going to start this journey way back to my very first year of teaching. I've talked about it a bit on the podcast before, but let's really dive on into some of those highs and lows that happened that first year. All right, so that first year, I was working in a kindergarten through second grade self-contained classroom, and it was, the classroom was actually in a fourth, the fourth grade, fourth and fifth grade wing. Um, so picture this, you know, teachers to the left, teachers to the right are all fourth and fifth graders. And here I have this group of four students. It was four boys and they're, 
kindergarten age. I had two kindergarten, one first and one second grader in this classroom, all with four different diagnoses. I had desks and materials for fourth and fifth graders. I, I, I repeatedly had to ask to have the desks lowered and then lowered and then lowered again because my students were so small in comparison to, you know, what a fourth or a fifth grader might be. And I spent, I spent the better portion of the first couple quarters of teaching just teaching those ready-to-learn behaviors. At one point in the year, I put all the furniture out in the hallway and we had just carpets. We had carpets in the classroom and we practiced being safe with carpets. And then we would bring materials in, we would bring the, that furniture in one piece at a time, we would learn how to use it, and then it would stay. And ultimately, that's what I did that whole first year. Um, I did the same thing with computers. The computers we had in, my students were not the nicest with them. They were not the safest. So those went out too, and we brought those back. And, and I think it's just, it's important for me to share because that's, that's where my, my journey began. And yet, while I was really working hard to teach these ready-to-learn behaviors, I was getting pressure to teach academics, to teach writing. I remember thinking, writing, you want me to give them pencils? You want me to give students that couldn't even keep foam puzzles safe a, a, a pencil? But I needed to. I, I was told to. So I did. And I still remember to this day, I was teaching writing. I was teaching the letter D and how to write the letter D on the front board. And my mentor happened to be in the classroom that day, just helping me out. And I remember teaching the kids to the D, how to write a D all in my head thinking, why am I even doing this? And I look over to her and she's shaking her head. I had taught them how to write D the wrong way. And I just remember my face got red, the tears started to come because I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed with emotions. I was so overwhelmed with everything. And at the end of the day, I wanted my kids to be safe. I really didn't care that they knew how to write the letter D, but that was the pressure that I was getting. And here's another quick tip I learned. So pencils, I, I learned that pencils make really good daggers to students that are unhappy. And I had a student that that's, that's what he did, picture Wolverine. He would take, so let me back up. So I had, I tried really hard to create the classroom I thought my kids needed. And so I, you know, you look on Pinterest, you see on social media, I had the, you know, sharp pencils and to be sharpened pencils. I thought that's just what you did. Well, my student got really smart and he knew to go to the sharp pencils and those became the daggers. He would put them in between his knuckles and that was his way of saying, don't come near me or else. And, and so my side note here to you is just because something works for someone else does not mean it has to be in your classroom. You know your kids. You get to create a room that is safe for them with their input and with their best intention at heart. All right, so what else stands out from that year? Other than truly having no idea what I was doing, I felt lost every day. I didn't understand behavior management as the tools I had learned in that one behavior management class I had in my undergrad college program. They weren't working. I kept trying different systems. I struggled to effectively stay calm with my students. I had students use language that I had never even dreamed of hearing a five-year-old say. After every observation I would have, 
All my principal could simply do was hand me this book called the Tough Kid Book and told me to read it. Nobody, see what had happened is we had we had brought these students back. They were our students, but they had previously been being served their education at an outside agency, at an outside school. And so we brought them back. And so I wasn't the only one that was kind of stuck, but people looked to me, even though I was just in my first year, you know, my administrators looked to me to know what to do, to know how to handle these students. And, and yet I didn't. And so it was met with frustration because I wanted answers, they wanted answers, but nobody knew who to really get those answers from. So when I asked for support, I got that book. That book was handed to me every time. I got eye rolls and I also got, well, they can't be that bad. You must be missing something. Go, go try this, go look at this. And I remember thinking, why doesn't anyone believe me? Now, in addition to those challenges, there were some highlights from the year. I, I taught a boy, I taught one of my kindergarten students to raise his hand. And I know you might be thinking that seems really simplistic, but the email from his mom that I received, I still have to this day. She was convinced based on what previous teachers had told her in his preschool, in his early intervention, that he couldn't learn, that he would not be able to learn in, in kindergarten. And here I, I had shared with her, he learned to do something. And then she got to see it at home as well. And it was that moment of optimism that she needed as a parent. And it was very eye-opening for me that it was so important to share those successes with my parents, no matter how big or how small they seem. Another highlight is that mentor that I that I just mentioned, Danielle, she is still one of my closest friends and mentors in the field today. And another celebration is that I made it to the end of the year. I questioned leaving so many times that year. I listened to so many friends and family tell me it wasn't worth it. I wasn't sure that I could do the job they wanted me to do and focus on those academics when I wholeheartedly believed in the social emotional aspect of their learning, but I made it. And so my biggest takeaways from that first year are to speak up, speak your truth, ask the questions and ask those specific questions. So instead of I need support, what I, what I kind of wish I would have asked is how do I teach academics to a student that isn't able to sit down yet? How do I know what a developmentally appropriate five-year-old is supposed to be able to do? And then how do I modify and accommodate that to meet the needs of my students? I wish I had gotten out and observed other classrooms so that I knew what to compare, you know, how to have that comparison just so that I could know what to, what to do to help my students. I also learned though that every day is a new day. And I learned that relationships with parents is just as crucial as the relationships you have with your kids. I learned that my best behavior management strategy is myself. And this is something that I've learned as a reflection back from that year. It's something that, you know, one of those, I wish I could tell myself, I wish I could tell myself that because I kept looking in every book, in every, every area that I could try and find, and it just wasn't happening. So I had no confidence in myself as a teacher because everything I kept trying wasn't working. And my last takeaway from that year is to surround yourself with people that will lift you up, not pull you down. And this, again, is a life lesson that is really evident in any area of your life. All right, so 
Heading into year two, I was still afraid, I was still nervous, but I was ready to give it another go. So this year, I was still in a kindergarten through second grade classroom. However, I did get to move classrooms, so I at least was in the K-1 wing of the building. I had better furniture, better carpet, more toys, just more accessibility to the students, to the age you know, of the students that I was working with. I also had more students. I had about six to seven students that year. And that was really great, too, because I got to do some more small grouping. You know, for for students, I think was actually more difficult because there was it was really hard to group them. So I had four individual programs going on, whereas when I got more students, I had a little bit more flexibility to run groups to do, you know, things that that really met the students and they were able to then interact with one another. But I had those same challenges with behavior. I really couldn't find a plan that worked. And yeah, I was looking for a plan that would quote unquote work. I wanted something to fix it. That was my mindset my second year of teaching. So that year, it was better as a whole, but I still didn't feel like I was supported. And there's that word again, support. I didn't feel like anyone got me, got my room, truly understood what I was going through. I was looking for and ultimately needed validation that I couldn't provide to myself. And when we as individuals, as well as our students too, struggle with confidence in ourselves, we look to external events to create that confidence for us. And as a teacher, here I was. I had four years of undergrad, I'm partway through my master's, and I still felt like I had no idea what I was doing on any given day. I looked outside of myself to find that validation, that happiness. I just thought that if I could figure out this teaching thing, that I'd finally be happy. If I could just get these kids to listen and do their work, I'd be a qualified teacher. And even saying those words right now, I'm shaking. I'm shaking not only in my body, but I'm shaking my head that that is what I defined a qualified teacher as. And those were my thoughts every single day while teaching. I kept looking for support to fix me, support from my family, support from the parents of my students, from my administration, from my colleagues, from my paras, you name it, and I wanted it. And so then we launched into year three. And year three had a glimmer of hope with it, and that came in the name of my dear friend, Kate. She had been hired as a long-term sub in a gen ed kindergarten classroom, and by all the luck in the world, we connected. We quickly became close friends, and I would push into her class with some of my students as often as we could. And this is where I really learned the importance of getting to know your co-teacher. Kate and I were effective because we worked so well together. It wasn't my kids and her kids, it was our kids. Whenever I was in the classroom, we were all one big family. And that led to a successful year of having our students grow and learn from one another, regardless if some returned to me for part of the learning and others stayed with her. Guys, relationships matter and it's not just with our students. Relationships matter across the board. If you are working with a co-teacher, you have a paraprofessional in your room, take the time to get to know them. Outside of work, what do they like to do? What are some of their favorite things? How can you support their growth as an educator while they simultaneously support yours? Relationships are crucial for all of us, adults, kids, parents, you name it, relationships matter. 
I can still remember the afternoons that Kate and I would sit after school eating the goldfish we had bought for our kids. Yep, no shame there. And we would connect. We would talk about our boyfriends who are now our husbands. We would talk about our weekend plans and we would allow each other to talk about our worries, to talk about our stress from the day in a problem solving manner. We worked together for that one year before Kate was offered another position in a different district and yet we still stayed close. We were bridesmaids in each other's weddings and we're still close today. When I think about that third year of teaching, Kate is a major reason I stuck with it. The kids were getting tougher, the paperwork was getting harder, and I was feeling more and more lost, while at the same time, I was still trying to figure it all out. At the end of year three, a position opened as a consultant teacher in my school, and I jumped on it. I figured, you know what, I'm early in my career, let's see if this style of teaching, let's see what it's all about, and let's see if it's something that's going to work for me. Year four of teaching, I was a third, fourth grade consultant teacher, and at the end of the day, it wasn't for me. Parts of that position I loved. I loved teaching without ongoing disruption. I loved being able to stand up front and teach that lesson, but parts of the day I really didn't. I didn't love that some of my day I felt highly effective and some of my day I didn't. It just, at the end of the day, it wasn't working for me. But again, I used the excuse of support. Well, my co-teacher doesn't support me. I just don't feel supported. And I constantly found myself back in my old classroom talking to the new teacher we had hired. And newsflash, she too is one of my best friends and biggest supporters to this day. Guys, I missed the behaviors. I missed having my own room. As crazy as those sound, that's what I missed. I missed being able to shut my door and, and build my community within my classroom, meeting the needs of the students that I, was, that, I, that I had the privilege to work with. And so with that, I applied to a kindergarten through second grade position again in a neighboring school district. And in February of that fourth year, I switched schools and I started again. Starting mid-year in a classroom was tough. Coming into someone else's room, not knowing the staff or the routine or the school culture, it was like I was back to day one again. I had two students, yeah, two, <laughs> and they couldn't have been more different from one another. The rest of that year was learning. It was learning and figuring things out as we went. I also started my BCBA coursework at that same time as this transition, which made for longer hours and more stress. Now that, you know, and here's the key. So now I'm learning about more behaviors, which meant I wanted to try out more interventions. The problem was at times is that I would get really passionate about something. I would go all in and I would forget that others may not be as passionate as I was. Now today I'm okay with that because I trust in who I am and I can share that passion and I recognize that not everyone will have the same passion I do. But back then, I took it to heart. I took it personally. I took it as if they didn't like me, that they were out to get me. And them and they being my paras, my admin, and my colleagues. And again, I found myself thinking, they just don't understand. They, 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 them, them, them. Guys, do you sense the theme here? Year five was that tipping point for me. Panic attacks started. I was in conflict with my paras every day. My students weren't making progress. 
And when I would ask for support, I didn't feel like I ever got anywhere. And then I broke. I had my biggest panic attack at work and I was sent home. And after that, after a lot of reflection, after a conversation with my supervisor, I decided to take a week off. I used that time to recoup my energy, to get refocused, and to come back strong. And I did for about a week. I was literally living on the hamster wheel of life and I couldn't figure it out. My staff didn't listen, my admins weren't listening, my kids weren't listening, and I was a mess. And then the conversation came. I met with my supervisor and she very honestly told me concerns she had for me, uh, for me professionally and personally, if I stayed in teaching. She then showed me a summary she had written about her concerns and every single thing on that list were the deficits that I had as a teacher, that she felt I had as a teacher. And the ironic part to me at the time was everything on that list was everything I had asked about getting support for. When I asked my admin about how to effectively talk with the paras on the list, it was written as difficulty con communicating with staff and difficulty managing the adults in her room. When I asked about curriculum design for my students on the list, it was not meeting academic standards with her students. I felt betrayed. I felt defeated and I felt burnt out. And two days later, I resigned. One month short of my fifth year of teaching, I resigned. I met with my staff one more time and I said goodbye and I left. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I wasn't sure how I was going to secure another job. All I knew was that I couldn't keep going down the road I was, I was headed on. It wasn't good for my team. It wasn't good for my students. And even though I was reluctant to admit it, it wasn't good for me. Thinking back to the title of this podcast, how asking for help or for how, excuse me, for asking for support led to my resignation. I've had many years to think about this chain of events. And I say chain because it wasn't one challenge that led me to leaving. It was a series. It was many situations happening over time that I didn't, I didn't truly recover from. I wanted support. I needed support. But what I was actually doing was blaming everyone else and not owning up to my part in the situation. I blamed my lack of education. I blamed my lack of experience. I blamed my admin for not supporting me, for not giving me the right materials. I blamed my support staff for working against me. You name it, I blamed it. And I never owned my portion of the responsibility. See, I don't think it was all me and I don't think it was all them but that's the mentality I had, me versus them. And it stayed this way until I learned better. Guys, I held a grudge for years. For years, I let this failure win over me. It not only affected me in future jobs, it affected me at home with my friends, with my family, you name it. And now the advice that I give people when they hold a grudge, I tell them to hold a conversation, talk about it. Be open about what is bothering you. Be real and truthful. Be honest and authentic. And instead of the words, I need support, ask for what you need. Is it more knowledge? Is it materials? Is it a sounding board? What is it that you need? And then here is the part that I missed for years. You've got to find a way to provide that for yourself. If we are constantly seeking something outside of ourselves, we are never going to find it. That support that I was seeking, I wasn't ever gonna find it. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. 
Sure, it might be there, but are you ever gonna find it? Probably not. What if instead we supported ourselves? We believed in ourselves and we trusted ourselves. What if we knew the path we were on is always the right path? No one else can ever give us the support that we are looking for. Only we can do that. We control our effort and our attitude. And this is true during the good, the bad, and the ugly. Instead of support, what I really needed was trust. Trust that I was going to figure it out. Trust that no decision I ever made was wrong as long as I was always learning from them. Trust that I was doing the best that I could with the current skill set that I had. When I asked for support, it was because I didn't believe it in myself. And now, now that I've learned to support myself, I've learned so much that I don't need support from anyone else. I need innovation. I need discovery. I need empowerment. See, I'm still growing as an educator. I'd like to think that we all are. But support isn't going to get me to grow. Trust, authenticity, empowerment, innovation, those are going to allow me the growth I am seeking. And they all start from within. Do me a favor. As you go throughout your day today, tomorrow, next week, and you find yourself saying, I want more support or I wish I was more supported, ask yourself, what support do I want and how can I provide that for myself? I can promise you one thing. If you look within, you're going to find an answer a whole lot sooner and a whole lot quicker and a whole lot easier than if you spend time waiting for someone else to give it to you. I am beyond grateful for the opportunity to share my story with you today. I mentioned at the beginning how nervous I was and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't still nervous. But my story needs to be heard and so does yours. Our stories are what make us unique. Our stories are what make us whole. And our stories are what make us, us. Share your story, own your truth. Take those small, simple, strategic steps to move you forward into creating the life that you deserve. Inside and outside of the classroom, you get to create the life you want every single day. You guys, thank you so much for listening to this story. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and allowing me to share my heart, to share my story with you. I truly hope you have been able to learn that your success as a teacher is inevitable, but it's got to come from within first. It's nothing that support from someone else is going to provide for us. And I'm really excited to share in next week's episode, I am sharing the five systems that I created for my own life to, to really build upon support from within. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you what it is that I did to take back my life. So if you are curious, if you are ready to continue on this journey with me, I sure hope you join me next week for episode number eight, where we dive into those systems. And as we wrap up today's episode, as always, I want to remind you of all the ways we can connect outside of the podcast platform, starting with my free email subscription that I send out freebies every single week to. All you need to do is head on over to my website, www.defineuniversity, that's Y-O-U, university.com and sign up. And those freebies are sent to you every single week. The freebies are also kept in a resource library right on my website. So you can get them anytime you want. In addition to that content, I run a free Facebook group called Define University, where I provide trainings, motivation, free content just for you. So come on over and join us over there as well. 
And I really hope we are friends on Instagram as that is my absolute favorite social media platform. You can find me at lindsay.titus828 and especially pay attention to my stories as I always pop on Monday through Friday and give you a short burst of motivation of encouragement and education for your week ahead. And that is pretty amazing for free content, don't you think? So in addition to those, I do have two one-day workshops coming soon. On March 12th, I will be in Providence, Rhode Island. And on March 13th, I will be in Manchester, New Hampshire. Both are full-day workshops where I am sharing tips and tricks and inspiration for working with your most difficult and challenging students. For more information or to register, you can go to brianmenler.com and follow the regional seminars link. I also have two courses available. I have a Mindset Shifting 101 self-paced course that is available now for you where we dive into those systems that I'm going to be sharing about next week. This is your way to get that self-paced course so you can start your journey today. I also will be relaunching my Mindset um, Mastermind called Ignite Your Legacy in April. And this is for teachers truly looking to transform their teaching, create their legacy by looking within instead of looking, looking outward. So, all right. I cannot wait to share more information with you about that as we get closer. But for now, I truly want to thank you for listening to this week's episode. I cannot wait to hear what you thought about it. If you loved it as much as I loved making it for you, please subscribe and leave a review as well as share it with your friends on social media and make sure to tag me in it. I would thoroughly appreciate that. And I absolutely love seeing my followers gain from the information that I'm sharing every single week. All right, you guys, until next time, have an amazing week ahead. And as always, we will talk soon.